0: Welcome back to All Rings Considered, episode 5 of our Lord of the Rings read-through series. I'm your co-host, Charlie, and with me is... Pip. Hey, Pip, good to see you. And guys, this is actually a super special episode because for the first time in doing this podcast, Pip and I are actually together here in the same room, so I gotta look at your ugly face (laughs) for like 15 minutes and then we're done, right?
1: Yeah, now that uh, we're actually doing this, I kind of regret it.
0: Yeah, me too. Um... So we're together because we actually have a pivotal, important chapter. <laughs> chapter five, book one. It's a, a conspiracy Unmasked. Yeah, no, actually, this is the, this is literally the shortest chapter in uh, book one. So, but unlike I think the last episode where, you know, we said it was a short chapter, probably a short episode. I, I feel like I have a good bit to say about this. We might we might hit fifteen minutes. No we do, problem.
1: We do have a series of short chapters in, and, and we have decided executively to not combine any chapters that way as you're going through the podcast episode number is also the chapter number just elegant that way
0: oh crap i have to do a summary
1: are you looking this up? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm looking this up on cliff notes because they have summaries that are way better than my summaries <laughs> Unless you want to just hear me go blah, blah, blah the whole time.
1: I'm doing that anyway, so...
0: Oh, yeah. All right, here we go. The summary, courtesy of CliffsNotes.com. Safe for the moment in his new house at Crick Hollow, Frodo breaks the news to his close friends, Merry and Pippin, that he will be leaving the Shire first thing in the morning. They insist on accompanying him, having long suspected his plans. As you can yeah. see, pivotal, crucial chapter... That required us to be together in person to talk about, because this is just, it all turns on this. No, but in all seriousness, I know it's a small chapter, but Pip, what are your overall thoughts on the chapter? Any big takeaways you got?
1: So I think this is a chapter where I think to myself, I really should get out a map. And actually, there's really good resource for that. We have the Atlas of Middle-Earth. By Karen Wynn Fonstad, who is a cartographer who taught at the University of Wisconsin. But it's a really nice compendium of the territories of Middle Earth and does a good job of laying out sort of piece by piece of the journey of different stories and, and sort of the movements of different groups across, across the story. So, so that's really useful to get out now, I feel like, because I feel like, you know, this is a place where I really want to know. Start a description of where buckland is and I said you kind of scratch my head a little bit and say, oh i'm not just in this kind of vague shire area
0: yeah it, i mean it starts to map the actual geography really starts to matter at this point right yeah so yeah my my takeaway for the chapter is for me this goes back to if if the lord of the rings has a central thesis what i would argue that it is is that the book is primarily concerned with the, the idea that we live in a universe that is dying and the book is trying to tackle the question if that's the condition one how are we to respond to that and two why are we to respond that way and i think this is usually best summed up actually with that quote in chapter two that i talked about in that episode where frodo says i wish this need not have happened in my time and gandalf says so all who live to see such times but that's not for them to decide all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us And I think what you see in this chapter is one of the book's answers to that question of how are we to respond to these times. And essentially its response is, or sorry, essentially one of its answers is we are to love and to be loved. Because this chapter is essentially just all about Frodo has really good friends who are really loyal to him and they're going to to tag along with him. So that was kind of, to me, the overall tiny argument of the chapter, I guess.
1: So something you mentioned before is the Catholic idea of the long defeat. Do you want to say something about that?
0: Um, no. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll go ahead. Uh, so the idea is that, you know, Tolkien is is Catholic and this work is can be considered a very Catholic work. And one of the ways that it relates to that is through this, where in Catholicism, the world itself is doomed in some way. Everything is, you know, in a state of decay, like you said, um, and uh, you can see that here as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, like I said, I think that's the big, my big takeaway from the chapter and its overall message, but I did have a lot of little things marked up here as well. So even though this chapter is actually shorter than the one we just did last week, I actually found more interesting things here to, to underline beyond even just its central message. One of those things is right off the bat, We're only but two pages into the chapter, we get to see your favorite symbol come up in some water.
1: Absolutely. Water watch. Water watch.
0: So we're on water watch here, and water does show up. And, you know, you said before that this almost always indicates some kind of change. And you see it really explicitly here, because as they're on the ferry crossing the river to Frodo's new home at Crick Hollow, this is right at the beginning of the chapter, it says that Frodo... Quote, Had a strange feeling as the slow gurgling stream slipped by. His old life lay behind in the mists; dark adventure lay in front. So they're literally on the water. In Frodo's literally seeing his life change from one thing to another. So I think it's nice use of that that symbol there.
1: Literally exploring into the unknown. Exactly.
0: Other things I noticed. Well, while we're on Water Watch, there's a lot of bathing in this chapter. Uh, (laughs) I don't really have anything to say on that much. There's a symbol there.
1: Sam doesn't get to bathe with. That's a a good point. That actually might warrant bringing up just for a lot of people don't really recognize the sort of difference in class between Mm -hmm. Frodo and Sam.
0: Yeah. I mean, to us, it reads as classist. I mean, I think rightfully so. Because, yeah, Sam is not of their social class and they kind of treat him not great sometimes. (laughs) Like in this case, he doesn't seem to get a bathtub. Not sure that's fair. Something else kind of funny that I picked up here. I really like the scene here where they they all reveal to Frodo that they know that he, uh, in fact, is leaving the Shire and that they're going to go with him. And Frodo says, like, I thought I'd been so careful. And Pippin just tells him that, well, we have constantly heard you muttering, shall I ever look down into that valley again, (laughs) I wonder? And I really like that image that Frodo's been walking around. Just saying this thing like, oh, shall I see this again? And it's like, what would you say? Oh, nothing. I, <laughs> I mean, there's literally an office episode where this happens, where like the branch is closing and Michael Scott is walking around the office, like saying under his breath to people like, work while you can, or like, we'll, we'll <laughs> be gone, well, we'll be gone soon anyway. It's like I get that same image here, and it's it's really funny. And what I really liked about that is that specific example Pippin uses here. Oh, shall I ever look down into that valley again? I wonder. Frodo did say that under his breath back in Chapter 3 when they were uh, hiking cross-country. And so, like, if you were a cynical reader, you would read that and think, oh, that's, what, he's just standing there saying it's under his breath and none of his friends notice? Mm. And, you know, you might have to just, just suspend your disbelief. But no, actually, you were right. They did notice. They were <laughs> there. They, they were there and heard it. So, yeah, I really appreciated that little detail. It's just funny. There's more humor in these, this book than I think sometimes gets noticed.
1: I think one thing about that that's sort of interesting too is that you can look at how Frodo deals with his despair. he starts to become focused on it to the point where he doesn't recognize that he's part of a community of friends of close friends where he's just so focused on his you know burden and despair and you know uh, fear that he completely forgets that. He's a part of this, like this group of close friends that would notice these sorts of things, you know. And I think that's something that can be uh, common for a lot of people when we have, when we are in despair, it, it, the focus is so in on on that feeling that it can be, yeah, you can easily forget that you're you're part of a group.
0: Yeah, well, and you do. I mean, part of like that—that's one of the symptoms of severe depression or despair. You become so inward thinking. You can't. You literally cannot see reality. As it is, right? It, it gets completely fogged up. Other closing, my personal closing thought: I'm going to, as far as that, things I underlined here, is you do see again a play on how this story is going to be the antithesis to the Hobbit, and we've talked about this in previous episodes. How it plays with how it this this narrative plays with the fact that it's in the Hobbit's shadow in a lot of ways. But you have here where Frodo tells tells to his friends, he says, "I, I can't allow you to come with me because he says, quote, you speak of danger, but you do not understand. This is no treasure hunt, no there and back journey. I am flying from deadly peril into deadly peril. And of course, there and back journey is referring to the Hobbit, which is subtitled there and back again. So he's explicitly naming this is not the Hobbit. I mean, this is almost Tolkien almost literally wrote here. This is not the Hobbit in the, on the page. So I, I think that's a really cool and fun theme. and it's, it's something I'm looking for on this read-through, like I've said before. So I would also say, conveniently, that's probably my favorite line in this chapter. That's why I, I chose my favorite line. So on that note, Pip, favorite line?
1: So my favorite line is from Mary, And when they're having a the conversation with Frodo about his plans to go away. And Mary says, you are miserable because you don't know how to say goodbye. You meant to leave the Shire, of course, but danger has come on you sooner than you expected, and now you're making up your mind to go at once, and you don't want to. We are very sorry for you. I feel like that's just such a very powerful... I, I feel like that's such a very powerful expression from Mary of empathy, of just actually feeling very sorry for Frodo and for this burden that he has, and just the idea of being miserable because you don't know how to say goodbye to good things. So all
0: right well that wraps up episode five good to see you pip i'm out of here
1: good to see you too oh
0: bye no uh but so join (laughs) us (laughs) join us next week for chapter six the old forest we will see you then